Hello, my fans, friends. Welcome to the Rich Terring podcast feed, powered by ACAS Plus. Thanks to everyone who's come to see the Can I Have My Ball Back tour so far. It's been going really well. I've got a four-star review in The Standard, four-star review in The Telegraph, who once called me the worst comedy experience of the year, so that's a turnaround. Uh, people have been coming, people have really been enjoying it, and it's getting better and better. The only gigs this week are both in Pocklington, the town I was born in, near York. Uh, there's a couple of tickets left for the evening show and a few more tickets left for the matinee, I think about 4.30. But love to see you there, Yorkshire. Pop along, check richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour or richardherring.com slash gigs to see if I'm coming near to you. There are tickets left for nearly every show in the tour. I think Norwich has sold out. Uh, and a couple of gigs in London could do with your support as well. Anyway, please listen to the podcast. Do spread the news about the podcast to your friends. Listen as much as you can. Numbers are slightly down, which may affect the future of this podcast. So just leave it playing, even if you're not in the room. Love you. <laughs> now sit back, relax, and enjoy whatever it is you're going to listen to. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive & June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive & June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. So, uh, to talk about the biochemistry of death, will you please welcome the winner of the Biochemical Award 2015? That's how good he is. It's 2014, he's already, it's already ready. Uh, he's a reader in evolutionary biochemistry at UCL. It's Professor Nick Lane, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much. Welcome. Pull up a mic. Make yourself at home. Thank uh, you. How have you managed to win? Uh, first of all, let's get this out of the way. How have you, because you might just be some chancer off the street, <laughs> how have you managed to win uh, an award from 2015 in 2014? Well, your, your fossilization story, I'm not sure I'm going to get them to be a fossil, so I try to get my 2015 in now while I'm still alive. <laughs> get ahead it's of actually, the game. They, they, uh, they, they, they announced it yesterday or the day oh, before. They? I'm amazed you picked up on that. But, well, uh, you know, I'm, my research is very good. <laughs> also, you've put it on your website already well, overexcitedly. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> and who can blame you? I'd be very excited. I've won uh, the British Comedy Award 2015 as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be 18 months before anyone finds out the, the, the ghastly truth. Um, so, you're a biochemistry and evolutionary bio, uh, biology, is that right? Yeah, more uh, or less. Biochemistry. Biochemistry. Yeah. Um, why can't we live forever, is my question to you. Ah, oh, right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sex right. is the answer. Because if you... Um, get to know me first, well, and then we'll, <laughs> we'll, 
Not on the first question. You haven't been that good. Well, it's the answer of <laughs> evolutionary biologists to every question, anyway. Yeah, sex, okay. sex is the answer. If you, um, if, if you were immortal, like an elf, yes. for example, <laughs> you know, they, the elves die, anyway. Yeah. They, they're immortal unless they get hit by a bus or something. Yeah. Um, so the thing is, if you get hit by a bus before you had sex or before you had kids, um, statistically, you're less likely to have kids if you waited until after you got hit by the bus. <laughs> you see what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So the point is, if you, if you have a statistically relatively short lifespan, if you're going to be eaten by a tiger or, or, or hit, you know, have some accident, um, then it's best if you, if you focus all your biological resources on leaving offspring before you get hit by the bus. Okay. So gear up. I mean, gear up for sex. <laughs> Sexual maturity, uh, that kind of development... Costs. It has costs on longevity and everything else. So we, we develop very slowly, actually, because our, our, risk, our risk of dying. <laughs> I, think, I think my body didn't want me to reproduce. So I went, yeah, we'll let him wait till he's 25. We'll see. He'll be dead by then. Yeah, and yeah. compared to a chimpanzee. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so... I've so we... The... <laughs> <laughs> we... We, uh, we, we, we develop very slowly compared to chimpanzees yeah. or something. Uh, and, and we live a lot longer than they do. And it's really that we, uh, we, we don't have natural predators in the same way. Yeah. Uh, and so we, we, we prolong our lifespan. So it really comes down to that balance between uh, statistical likelihood of living for a long time and leaving kids. So it would sort of be a choice between you could live forever, but you're never going to have sex. Yeah, more which or less. is sort of like a living hell. It's like that's yes. the. It's like someone I'm giving you the <laughs> gift of eternal life. You go, yes, but you're never allowed to have sex. I forgot to tell you. <laughs> no, can I? Can I have a wank? No. <laughs> that no, uh, probably wank. hasn't developed yet. <laughs> uh, where was I before I was born? Uh, <laughs> well, this is. <laughs> Do you go all the way back, as in, as in the sperm of yeah. the... Yes. How, do, how did <laughs> that I That used to be the old biological idea, that, yeah. they, that, that you were inside the sperm of your father who had the little, you know, the little the mannequin. The homunculus. That's the word I was grasping for, yes. I know so, no, about of course, this than you do. You do. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you were nowhere. You were you are contrived by the genes of your parents, by mixing the genes of your parents up in a completely random way. So... You didn't exist, that's all. Some part of me must have done. Uh, well, some of your genes, I mean, this is, this is where Richard Dawkins was coming from. Yeah. Uh, you don't leave a copy of yourself, that's why he was talking about selfish genes. You leave a random mixture of some of your genes, as does your wife, maybe. Maybe you already have, I don't know. No, I but, haven't yet, no. Ah, uh, well, let's hope you do. I've got to get a move on, <laughs> 46. Yeah. So, so what, what actually is left down the generations It's really just... Genes is, is what, you know, so evolutionary biologists look at uh, the, the, the change in gene frequencies in a population over time. It's a nasty way of seeing it, but it's basically that's, that's all that continues is individual genes. So we are made up of a random mixture of those genes. Mm-hmm. So that was, sort of was there, but in, I was all mixed up like an anagram of myself. Yes. Yeah, good. <laughs> I like that. Uh, So, uh, why is uh, death a great invention of evolution, as I believe you've claimed? Uh, Well, it is evolution. I mean, survival of the fittest means death of the weakest, really. It sounds a bit like eugenics, but that's how how evolution works. (laughs) So, you know, unless, unless the less fit organisms 
die preferentially relative to the more fit organisms, then evolution cannot happen. It won't work. So everything around us is the result of death. Yes. And if, there, if nobody died or nothing died, we'd all still be amoebas, presumably, because there would nothing... Oh, we, oh well, even amoebas are highly evolved. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, you are, your books are about uh, mitochondria... And uh, bacteria, so it goes back that far. So well, that's where all the really interesting stuff is, yeah. actually. <laughs> so that's, that's the start of life is, is bacteria, basically. Is that right? Yes, pretty much, but yeah. a, an awful long time ago. I mean, four billion years ago. So the first three billion years or so of life on Earth was just bacteria and hardly anything else. Right. Um, and, and really, you know, large organisms arose about half a billion years ago, so it's just the last, the last little bit. <laughs> well, what... Everything that was important happened in the first three billion years. <laughs> <laughs> what led to um, organisms becoming more complex? Why, what, how did this, these bacteria... Uh, it's probably wise not to ask me that question. Yeah, well, I'm, right. writing, I'm writing a book on that at the moment, <laughs> and I realise it's a bit too long. <laughs> let's let's <laughs> just tell us how it's yeah. going. That was the gist of it. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the main story. Don't, don't leave okay, well, it's actually, it's very, it's very strange um, because all complex life on Earth uh, shares a common ancestor. So we have a common ancestor with trees and with fungus and, you know, mushrooms and things. If you look at the cells down a microscope, they're shockingly similar. You'll probably not be able to tell the difference unless you're familiar. They, they, they're large, they've got all kinds of things inside... DNAs in a nucleus, you know, they look almost identical. You would have thought that, um, that some, some kind of bacteria that went around eating other cells, there actually there aren't any, but you, you would have thought there would be some, and, that they, and they would develop into animals. And you might think that photosynthetic bacteria, cyanobacteria, they would develop into plants. And another type of bacteria that, that puts out enzymes and breaks its food down would turn into fungi and so on. You would, you would expect that all these different things would arise completely independently. But they didn't. They all came from this common ancestor, and that arose just once. Right. And it seems to have been a freak accident. So we have this two and a half, three billion years of evolution, just bacteria, which is what you'd probably find on any planet anywhere else in the universe. The likelihood is it's, there'll be bacteria out there. Um, maybe it's not so hard to evolve bacteria, but to, to get complex life it was a it was a bit of a freak accident here and it seems to be that one cell got inside another cell it was really i mean it's kind of sex again really isn't it? <laughs> but it, it's um if you get right inside you're doing it wrong though i think if you if actually <laughs> no you have to get right in, inside absolutely enveloped <laughs> in the other person you've gone too far back out a little bit <laughs> it only works if you get completely enveloped <laughs> okay. if you want to change so basically does that mean that we are just like tanks that bacteria drive around in to go, go and kill other bacteria. Because now we've evolved into human so, beings and we can wipe out bacteria. So it's like bacteria's got this oh, tank. Well, they're still wiping so, us out. Some more, of them are, yeah. but we can take some of them so down. We, this, this, this cell. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a war. It's like the, the best bacterial will win in the end. I, I and then it'll have the well. whole world to itself. Mm, I don't sadly. really understand what bacteria is, do I? <laughs> <laughs> Well, we, Put this you, in your are, book. you have more bacteria. I'm going to call so, it Bacteria that, Tank. That's my book that's coming you are, out. You are a bacteria, bacteria tank. tank. Do you know how many bacteria you have, not, not living inside your intestines, but living inside your cells? I'd say over seven. <laughs> yeah. About, about 400 trillion, I think, is, is the answer. So, so, so I said one cell got inside another cell. Well, the cell that was inside became the mitochondria. Okay. So that's the, the, the powerhouses that generate all your energy. And when they, when they die, you die. But there's about 14 trillion, sorry, 400 trillion of these things. And if you, if you, if you, 
spread them all out. It would be about two, two football pitches or something in area. They are, they're, they're, they're producing your energy by pumping protons. So what you're doing when you're breathing is you are uh, and eating. You're, you're, you have a flow of electrons, basically a current of electrons, which is going from food to oxygen inside the mitochondria, inside the membrane. And as you have this current of electrons flowing, that's pumping protons across the membrane. And we pump something in the order of 10 to the power of 21 protons per second. So there's, there's 10 to the 23 stars in the known universe. So we're pumping nearly as many protons as there are stars in the known universe every second. That's, that's what's keeping us alive. That's why we are alive. And, and you know, as we die, as we get older, we, we're gradually dying. Cells die, mitochondria in cells die. I'm half dead already, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I am too. Uh, but... Uh... So, do you think there's... Can we use this knowledge? Are you going to be able to use your knowledge of mitochondria to make human beings, like, immortal or last a lot longer? Can you, can you counteract this uh, decline? We could probably... I mean, there's, there's one very nice example of a study in Japan. There's a, there's a, there's a, a mutation, a, a polymorphism is, is, is common, so it's not a mutation. It's 50% of the population of Japan have this specific letter change. So in, in, the, in the, the mitochondria have their own genes, these bacterial genes, that's how we know what they are. There's about 20,000 letters or thereabouts. So one letter change, uh, 50% of the population have that letter change, the other 50% doesn't. They did this study of people arriving in hospital for any reason at all. And up to the age of about 50 or 60, it was basically random as to whether you ended up in hospital. 50% of the population had that letter change, the other 50 didn't, up to the age of 60. Over the age of 60, um, you ended up by the age of 80 or 90, you were twice as likely to end up in hospital for any reason at all. This was just consecutive patients arriving in hospital if, um, if you didn't have the letter change. So you're half as likely to arrive in hospital if you got that letter change for any reason at all. So you might think, well, they all died then, didn't they? But they didn't. You were twice as likely to live to 100 so the Japanese centenarians are twice as likely to have that single letter change. So you're twice as likely to live to 100 and half as likely to have any age-related disease at all with a single letter change in mitochondrial DNA. If we can figure out how to... You know, you, you've got your 400 trillion mitochondria. Yeah, you can't tamper with them all individually. That's what I was going to say. It's so going to take a lot of time into to <laughs> change that letter. Get some Fill tip out. Yes. Change it. <laughs> So you're, but you're then into, you know, are you going to tamper with, with eggs and things like that and do genetic engineering? There's not much appetite for that. Maybe we don't want to go there, but there are solutions to these things. I mean, there's another solution to it. Sex, again, it, or, you know, you, you, you could breed a population such that we all live to 200 if you only chose women who were having children very late, so in their 40s or something, and you bred only from that population. You could probably do it. I'm not sure you'd want to structure a society that way, but there would be... I mean, that's probably why we live twice as long as the chimpanzees do. Um, you know, we, we have that freedom. So evolution can do it. Mm. Evolution can, can increase lifespan, you know, tenfold over not that many generations, a few hundred generations maybe. But do you think we, if we could do that, would we evolve in a way that meant, meant we had... Again, would we basically become sexless eventually if we did that? Because we, no. we, there'd be no room for... The uh, other people, would they, we'd have to do Logan's run on, on the old people. <laughs> you go, right, you're immortal, but we're going to have to knock you off at 40 anyway. Well, that would be a societal thing as well, <laughs> wouldn't it? But, um, yeah, there's probably... I think the thing about sex is that it's, um, it, it's basically keeping our genes intact in order, stopping them from breaking down, degenerating continuously. So there, there wouldn't really be... 
we wouldn't be able to clone ourselves over long periods of time. We would just degenerate steadily, like the Y chromosome does. Um, so we just delay it, basically. Delayed gratification. Yeah, good, though, wouldn't it? Because it's not going to be nice when we're dead. Because I'm guessing that when we're dead, I, I'm not going to be anywhere. If I wasn't anywhere before I was born, I'm guessing you told me after I'm dead I'm not going to be anywhere either after oh, that. Well, yeah, where do you think you'd be? I don't know. <laughs> In heaven? <laughs> With Jesus? Yeah. Well, maybe you'll be that fossil. I mean, <laughs> actually, there's, there's, one, there's one very nice thing about fossils, actually, which is that um, they're where all the oxygen comes from. So you might think that the oxygen, which we need to breathe, obviously... But you can't really have animals at all unless there's an oxygen in the atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, and plants produce the oxygen, and we breathe that oxygen. But the thing is that when we die, we break down, we, we, uh, we, you know, we're broken back down into carbon dioxide and water, pretty much. Um, and so all the oxygen the plants consume gets consumed by our degradation, our breathing while we're alive, but then our degradation afterwards. So there would be no oxygen in the atmosphere... Unless some people got buried without their, without their parts being broken down. So you're burying organic carbon. Yeah. And that's actually where all the oil and so on is, is basically organic carbon that never got reoxidized and ended up back in the atmosphere as CO2. So there wouldn't be, without death again, without, without the burial intact of, of, of organisms that have not been degraded back to CO2, there wouldn't be any oxygen in the atmosphere and there could not be animal life at all. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. But oxygen is, uh, has a role in death as well that I was surprised because oxygen is actually quite... Toxic. Yeah. Yeah. Which seems weird because that, that's what they give you if you go in space. They're trying to, they're trying <laughs> they to kill you in space. Much, though. It was, as Sweet said, too much and you're going to die. That's what the Sweet said. None of you are going to remember that. One of their lesser-known hits. Love is like oxygen. No, OK. <laughs> Brian Connolly. No, Connolly. <laughs> no. God, how old are you people? You know I mean? Some of the older ones are nodding. It's not Brian. He's, he was Taggart's uh, cousin, or half-brother or something. It's funny. <laughs> You never thought you'd get on. Have you ever got into this before? Uh, I used to... He was the blonde one from the suite. I was the first crush I ever had on anyone. He was beautiful. I thought he was a lady. 
Uh, <laughs> then he got a, he was an alcoholic. It was terrible. So he, he learned about... Sorry, oxygen's not... He knew that oxygen could kill you as well, though. He knew that already. But he didn't right? know that alcohol could kill you. Uh, that was the problem. So too much al- oxygen is bad for you, but so... Uh, and, and does it have a further role in natural death? Is yes, that, yeah. in, in ageing. Though this is now disputed. I mean, if you'd, if you'd said ten years ago, does oxygen kill you, the, the answer would have been yes. Now, uh, it, well, the answer's still yes, but uh, there's now a lot more arguments about it. So, uh, you know, you'll all have heard of antioxidants. I mean, they just are supposed to stop you from oxidising. Actually, they work really well in food. Uh, they don't work very well for living organisms. Right. And... Um, it's a little hard to say. I mean, basically, it, it, we're back down in the mitochondria again where we're consuming oxygen. And that the mitochondria, this wire, this, this wire inside the membrane where you have a flow of electrons, a current of electrons, it's full of iron. Um, and iron, you know, it rusts. And, and the reason we can have so much oxygen in the atmosphere is it's basically it's not reactive. There's a... There's, there's a it's called a spin restriction on it. It's a quantum mechanical thing. But basically, it, it needs to take a single electron from somewhere. And generally, um, generally things give up two electrons as, as a pair. So it needs a single electron. And iron is one of the things that will give a single electron, which is why iron rusts. And we have all this iron inside our mitochondria. And it will give up single electrons to oxygen and make it much more reactive. And that's what these free radicals are. So the free radical theory of aging says that we, you know, as we breathe, we produce as a byproduct a certain amount of reactive free radicals, and in the end, they're going to kill you. So take a load of antioxidants, and you'll be all right. And there have been massive trials over the last 10, 15 years, and they've all proved that antioxidants don't help. You're more likely to die if you take antioxidants. <laughs> um, not much, but you know, <laughs> 300,000 patients, they, <laughs> they're more likely to die if they take antioxidants. So uh, the problem is that they're, they're a signal as well. It's a, it's a little bit like a smoke alarm. They, they, they signal danger. And if you try and mop up the antioxidants, it's a little bit like deactivating the smoke alarm. You're more likely to burn to death. <laughs> so, uh, you, you, you don't really want to be playing, playing with that. So, yeah, oxygen is toxic. And, and, and over time, it's constantly doing a little bit of damage. And, uh, and, and if you can turn cells over all the time, there would be no problem. But in the brain, you can't. And this is probably why we have a fixed lifespan. In the end, we're not going to be able to live uh, very easily unless we can keep our neurons alive. Because the neurons, they're not replaced in the same way. Most cells, you can replace them from stem cells. A few neurons can, but by and large, everything about you is in the synapses of your neurons. And if you replace them, you'd replace your personality as well. You, you wouldn't have no... no. <laughs> I mean, it could, I mean, for some you people... You could come back as Billy Connolly or something. Funny. Could do better. Yeah, we, we might have to try. You could come... Well. <laughs> Watch it. Uh, <laughs> and is it, there's cells that are programmed to die, that, that are meant to die in the yes. human body and in all bodies. So, uh, I mean, development is all about cell death, which cells survive, which cells are programmed to die at certain times. Uh, but that whole, that whole program as well can be triggered off so if you have a stroke or something like that, um, very often the stroke won't necessarily cause a lot of damage, but the whole area around it will start dying over the next couple of hours. It's called the ischemic penumbra. But the cells just start killing themselves. And again, if you could stop that from happening, um, which you can do to a point if you treat someone very quickly, that's why there's such an urgency about it. Um, but if you can't stop them dying, then, then they've gone. They can't be ever replaced. 
But living forever would be rubbish, though, wouldn't it, I think? I mean, that's what that, yes. my, that's what my problem... Would you ever he- get out of bed? Well, <laughs> I just think it'd be awful. My problem with going to heaven is the idea of, of then just li- being existing for all time seems to be much worse than just going bang and you're dead. I'd much rather be back to where I was for the first 13 billion years of the universe's existence, which I'm presuming I will be for, in, for eternity. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the idea... People seem to be thinking, oh, it'd be great if we never died. But uh, I think even living... Like, uh, you know, even 60 years would be too much. <laughs> <laughs> I've had enough, I'll be honest. There's, there's only, there's only, start the evening. There's only so many wanks you can have. For years. Uh, it's, just, oh, it's boring. Uh, so, but it's because it's true. I mean, there's, we've got millions... The life is sort of about about death because there's millions of sperm there's millions of, of yes. babies or uh, or young animals that are meant to die really, or you know are there because oh we're here because die. they do die yeah, yeah. yes so yeah for, by our own birth the 600 million sperm we've beaten who all die as a result of not reaching the egg with us <laughs> so we've killed them that 600 million human beings we've all murdered just by living <laughs> If you think about it, it's true, uh, and you know, and there's also the spares, aren't they? All the, all animals have spares, so it becomes that some things will uh, it's built in that some yeah, some I mean, of the children was, will die. It's, it's and... built in that population size, apart from humans, but uh, population sizes are pretty stable and steady most of the time. So you know, everything has massive reproductive over over capacity. Um, you know, things that will produce hundreds of offspring, and on average, two of them will survive. So evolution's pretty nasty, but it's, it's brought about the world that we see. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's probably dodgy to try and read morals into it. Why didn't God just make one really big sperm the size of a trout? <laughs> <laughs> then, if he, if he cares so much about sperm, which he Funny seems to... mention trout. <laughs> <laughs> they actually have what's called catastrophic senescence. Some of them do, anyway. That's why I, I did it. And it's all to do with a giant sperm. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> <laughs> They've got very big sperm. Yes. Wow. Well, they, and they and and they basically they they die when they're having sex. Um, they? They they, they favour their own offspring by by effectively degenerating violently, leaving all their. Um, all their body as food in the, in, the, in the stream. I hope this is something you found out via your work. I'm not <laughs> just, <laughs> just spare, spare time. Uh, is it, is it weird spending so much time looking at bacteria through a microscope as your job, or is that...? Uh, I actually I don't spend oh, that much know? time looking how, at well, bacteria. You know, how, many, <laughs> how many hours a week do you, would you well, say...? Well, mostly with the kids when I'm looking at the bacteria. <laughs> but no, most of, most of what I'm doing in the lab is actually to do with the origin of life, right. uh, which may sound a million miles away from death, but if you think about, if you think about it as life is as living rather than origin of life, the origin of living, um, when we die... You know, the mitochondria I've been talking about, they, 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 that, that potential of the proton difference across the membrane that I was talking about, it's actually it's, it's massive. It's, it's 150 millivolts uh, across a membrane, which is only about 5 nanometers thick. So it's, uh, that works out. If you, were, if you shrunk down to that kind of size, it would be, uh, you would experience an electrical field of 30 million volts per meter which is like a bolt of lightning. Mm-hmm. So that's what's going on inside your mitochondria. You've got, you've got a force field uh, equivalent to a bolt of lightning in all your 400 trillion mitochondria. And that, that's what's really continuous. That goes back to your mother 
it goes back to her mother because they, they just go down the maternal line. But, you, you know, we are kept alive by this continuous chemical reaction of breathing and producing this proton gradient across the membrane. And it goes all the way back. And so an interesting question is, well, how the hell did it start? What, it what set that off in the first place? I don't know. I'm asking the question. You've turned yeah, this yeah. round. <laughs> and really, it's, this is foolish because well, you I mean, know more about it than I yes. do. So it's just... I should ask an answer, though. I should ask. I don't know. It so, was... A big so, battery? Well, uh, yeah, actually, you're probably right. I mean, some, some, some kind of a hydrothermal vent down at the bottom of the ocean has these same kind of proton gradients across membranes. And so this, this is the kind of thing we're trying to simulate in the lab. So it sounds... You, how could you get further from death than, than a hydrothermal vent at the bottom of the ocean? Um, but actually, it's the same process. You have proton gradients across thin barriers. It's what's keeping us alive. It's probably how life started in the first place, and it's what stops when we die. And, you know... Four billion years, if you say you don't leave a kid or something, but for four billion years, this, this reaction has been going, going right back to a hydrothermal vent. The reason we have all this iron in our mitochondria that are killing us with oxygen is because that iron was there in those vents right at the beginning. It's been that way all this time. It's a continuous chemical reaction, like a candle practically, just lit for all that time. And it goes out when we die. Blimey. <laughs> And do we have a soul inside us, inside that battery that will live beyond? Because if I have a soul, it's my least favourite part of me, I have to say. <laughs> I'd, I could happily do without it. No, but one, one sad thing is that that reaction, it goes, goes on with the mitochondria. Yeah. So my, my mitochondria die. They don't get passed on. Yeah. They only come through my wife. So my kids have my wife's mitochondria. So that reaction goes, it's a female reaction. <laughs> and, uh, and we're, 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 we're so dead. We're, we're already dead. We're a dead, dead end basically. anyway. We're a dead, complete yes, we're a dead, dead end. end. For, the, for that reaction. There are some other things that make us worthwhile, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, well, it's very interesting. I think we might have uh, covered uh, everything. About, life, <laughs> about everything. I think we might have covered a lot. Apart from why you've won an award for next year. I'm not satisfied <laughs> with that. So, I mean, I think in my show, We're All Gonna Die, I talk about the positive, that it's good that we die. I mean, yes. you've given a few reasons. Are there, other, are there any other reasons why it's a, a good thing that we die? Can you give some positive help to people that, out there that it's a positive thing that we die beyond evolution? Um, well, I suppose... On a personal this, level. On a personal <laughs> level, no, I don't have any personal wisdom, no. I'm afraid. <laughs> but is there, is there any other... I mean, I guess... Um, you know, it makes more room for people, uh, for other people. I mean, I, th- I wonder, with, with the love show we just did, I kind of wonder whether death is what makes us love each other, the fact that, uh, you know, the jeopardy of losing someone is, all the, is, the, is the impetus for love, possibly, is my theory, in that if we, didn't, mm. if we, were, if we were immortal, then we would love each other in the same way. I got married two years ago, and I thought, you know, I, the reason I took the plunge is I thought I've probably got... Maximum 30 years left. I can, I can put up with it for that long. If I was immortal... <laughs> you know, there's a, it's till death us do part. That is the, that's what made me think I'll get married, because after I'm dead, I'm single again. That's brilliant. That's, that's infinity years single. My wife doesn't, hasn't even done the maths on this. She's an idiot. Uh, so, uh, proportionally, that's not even a percentage. Is that's 0% of my life is going to be with her. Uh, so... I wonder whether that desire to protect and be protected and once we know that we're going to die, do you think, or do you think animals love each other as well? I'm sure animals love each other. Some of them do. I, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> That's why yeah, I didn't have you I mean, on the love amazing, show, because I knew you wouldn't know the answers. Yes. 
It's amazing to me, uh, uh, you know, as a, as a, as a biologist, I, I, don't, I don't believe in heaven and hell, and I, I don't believe that morals are coming from God or anything like that. They're coming from, you know, society, from the way we have evolved and developed and the interrelations between people and everything else. So it's, it's amazing to me that we have such powerful sense of right and wrong and love and all of those things. They don't seem to come very directly from biology. They, they, I think this is far more cultural evolution, and death is a huge part of cultural evolution, just you know, people dying and you missing them, yeah. uh, or they're missing you, depending on your point of view from earlier on. But um, I don't think that the, all, the intensity of any of these feelings is diminished in any way for thinking that they they are a product of biology and society rather than some kind of good and evil... I think the fact that we're just kind of walking batteries that have come out of a vent... It's pretty good uh, for a well, walking I battery. Know, I think that d- diminishes everything about us. <laughs> <laughs> we're just nothing. We're just these th- bits of electricity shooting on for billions of years. I'd rather gonna... not be electric. I would rather not. Uh, but, so, no, it's, that's, that's very interesting. Well, look, thank you very much uh, for talking. My, my, my mind's been blown again after... I hope yours has as well. Uh, and that's not all that's going to get blown by the sound of the sound of things. So, um, um pathetic. Uh, <laughs> edit that out. Uh, so, uh, uh, thank you very much, uh, Professor Nick Lane. Thank you. Future award winner. like them sky potatoes. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all. Jewelry that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it, so look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love, and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thanks for listening. RichardHerring.com slash gigs. GoFasterStripe.com for all my books, downloads, all that sort of shizzle. Oh, yeah, I know all the cool words. And um, would love to see you on the on the Can I Have My Ball Back tour if you can make it. Bye.